What's up everyone? We are talking injuries today. We want to know what is your most annoying injury? Well, at least those of you that are watching live on the UMS Movement Mastermind, we're going to be talking about those injuries, our experiences with them, and how you can overcome them and make sure they never happen again. Stick around. What's up, tribe? My name's Yanni Bormeister. I am joined by my brother, Rad, across the table, and behind the camera is Richie. We are Unity Gym and the Unify Movement System. Quickly, before we get started, if you guys want to know any of our secrets about training, nutrition, uh, you can grab the blueprints. We give all the best stuff away for free. You can download them in the description if you're watching a replay. The guys in the... Uh, Facebook group can just request them and we'll send them to you, maybe. I don't know, how do they get them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can uh, request them. And, I mean, look, if they, uh, they can go to our website. Yeah, okay, go, yeah, go, that's go it. Go to unitygym.com, they're all there. Just grab the one, download it. Today we're talking injuries. Now, last week we talked a lot about uh, bulletproofing your body. We talked about uh, developing a solid foundation, injury proofing, so to speak. Uh, but what happens if you haven't done our epic foundations program what happens if you just miss the flash sale and you've just is there hope for you is there hope well i'm here to tell you there is but uh it's you know injury the injuries are a really funny uh sort of thing to approach because a lot of injuries that you occur in the gym uh you, you don't fix them the way most people think and the old-fashioned adage of just take some time off and give it a rest can actually be quite detrimental uh, there's a very new um, uh, method of sort of treating injuries uh, and Phil sort of tipped on that yesterday, um, uh, which has completely changed the old rice yeah. concept of rest, yeah. ice, uh, what was it, what was it, rest? Ice compression, ice elevation. compression elevation. And uh, it's very, very different now. It's very different. You know, we used to be told to take anti-inflammatories. We now know that that is really, really wrong. We're, our body, we want that inflammatory response. That inflammatory response is the healing response kicking in. And taking anti-inflammatories the moment we feel pain or discomfort completely stifles. It blocks the healing mechanism. You know, we're going to go into that and into the theory a little bit deeper tomorrow and Friday. But today I want to open a discussion about uh, what the most common or most frustrating injury is that you've ever had in the gym. And we'll see if we can direct this conversation to just giving some value to the tribe because Rad, Richard and my, myself, between the three of us, we've experienced it all. And uh, we've had to overcome some pretty horrific injuries from breaking our back, like uh, literally fracturing our spine, to uh, dislocating our knees, dislocating our shoulders, and uh, everything in between. Lots of broken bones, lots of torn ligaments, lots of torn meniscus in the knees. Oh, man, we've had it all. We've, 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 it all. we've done everything. We've pushed our <laughs> bodies to the absolute limit. Oh, like we haven't done it all, but we've done, we've done all the, a lot of the bad stuff, a lot yeah. of the bad stuff that people suffer with. I mean, the... Um, you know, the, I think one of the biggest ones that, that a lot of people suffer with that uh, people, that, that this new way of doing things that um, Phil's looking at there, that's awesome, um, Richie. Yeah, if you yeah, want to just, just leave that up, up there, leave that up there for us. Yeah, right, um, right. You know, it's, it's tendinopathy, you know, like uh, resting tendinopathy is like the worst thing that you can do. Um, but yeah, w tell us what you've had. Let's, uh, let's get some people out there. Yeah, We've got a lot of people on the live stream here. What's the most... Um, 
What's the worst? Um, We've got a few people sharing already. We're going to give it a few minutes and we'll just pre-frame this because between our, our experiences and we'll, we'll tell you, we'll give you a little bit of backstory today. This will be fun because a lot of you guys don't know us that well. Um, first and foremost, Rad and I uh, grew up in the country on 500 acres, which uh, to those um, of you who among us who are farmers, it probably seems pretty small, but uh, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of great fun growing up. Um, one of the privileges I had for a while was that I used to ride a horse to work, albeit um, sort of under the supervision of my mother. Uh, we had three horses on the farm, and um, uh, we all had our own horse. Uh, I used to ride Rad's horse because my horse was just nuts, and. Um, yeah, for quite a period whilst I was really, really dialing in my riding skills, I used to ride along a gravel road to, to and from school, which was about a, probably only about a 10 kilometre, uh, maybe five or 10 kilometre ride. From where? From home to school, would it have been? In Kalang. Yeah. Would have been about two kilometres, but we were um, really? we, we were kids. I've yeah, been up right. there okay. recently. It's it about very, two kilometres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But we were kids, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. And so, yeah, and it was beautiful. You know, the school had um, paddocks and things like that, and we had a river running through it, and we used to, you know, we used to go swimming at lunch times, and it was just great. Anyway, shortly after the horse gave birth to a foal, which was meant to be become my horse, uh, I was riding was home one day. Good when it was I was riding home one day, and uh, my horse just went nuts because it heard the foal had uh, escaped from the paddock. And long story short, the horse bolted on me, and I was only geez, how old was I? Eight years old, I think. Younger than that, six, man. Six, maybe no, six. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you would have been six. Yeah, and uh, I was incapable of pulling the horse up, and I I ended up coming out of the saddle, uh, sort of trying to bail actually, and uh, my foot got caught in the stirrup and I got dragged and uh, it was pretty horrible because it was on a gravel road so I had um, I had really bad gravel rash uh, I've still got scarring on my right arm from that and uh, it caused a, 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 a quite an unusual um, uh, spi compound uh, what is it it's called a spiral stress fracture, fracture spiral fracture to two of the vertebrae in my spine because I was twisting and compressing at the same time as the horse was um, galloping down the road and uh, it caused all sorts of injuries. It was pretty horrible. And so that was my first big experience of injury uh, as a child. And there was a lot along the way from there. Uh, Rad had a similar experience. Um, he was, for those of you who don't know, Rad and Richie actually met whilst serving as infantry soldiers in the Australian uh, Defence Forces in the Army. And uh, you guys went through basic together, did you? No, we were in what's called sister platoons, which means every two weeks in basic training, they start two sister platoons and you go through the entire training curriculum at exactly the same time, which means that whenever you go out to the shooting range, you're there together. Whenever you do your PT sessions, you're next to each other. When, like, say so you're doing the curriculum at the exact same time, you eat at the same times and, um, and then you graduate on the same day uh, and then from those two platoons, everybody that was joining infantry went to infantry uh, school together in Singleton. And then we got shipped to Townsville, which is where we did our basic training because we went straight to East Timor on deployment. And we were still in, uh, we were in, once we got to basic training, we were in the same platoon, but we were in different sections. 
And when you're in different sections, you don't you don't really mingle with people from like you, you do everything together in the platoon. But when you go out in the field and you're actually working, you're not working with those people. So we never actually really we were there together all the time. But for the first probably year and a half, we never said more to each other than a you know hi or anything like that. But when we were in East Timor, and we were coming back home to Australia, and uh, one of my good mates from my um, uh, section, Lil, him and I had already organised a home to live in. Um, we, we'd signed a lease while we were in East Timor without even seeing the place. And um, we had a spare room. It was a three-bedroom place, and Richie didn't have anywhere to stay, and um, we offered him a room, and that's how we became buddies. You pulled him off the street. Pulled him off the street. My God. We saved him. We literally, because he would have got off the plane and had to go and sleep back in those horrible bunks back at the lines. Hey, Richie, if you yep. didn't, have, uh, <laughs> Mate, didn't have that place to stay fond in. Memories. Yeah. Fond memories. Fond memories, and that's how the dream began. And that's how the dream began. And, and uh, Richie... I don't know whether you, he doesn't talk about it much, but he did a, de a deployment in Afghanistan. Is, is that right? Yeah, yep. he does. Yep. He and um, I don't know where I got this from, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, Richard, but I, I heard that it was fairly common whilst on deployment when you guys were on patrol for people to fall over and hurt themselves. Like there was a lot of back injuries yeah, Richard's and stuff got a purple like heart that. for that. <laughs> he, uh, actually, um, <laughs> he was awarded a Purple Heart. He got the Medal of Honor as well um, yeah, because I mean he uh, regained from the fall so well. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, they're both American medals. I'm making a joke. Yeah. I think a Purple Heart is what it, American soldiers are awarded if they die, is, is it? Like the, no, it's when they're injured. When they're injured. When they're yeah, injured. When the Medal of Honor is the highest award that you can get in the American military. So it's a joke any to any of our like American military <laughs> friends. So I'm just making a joke. So um, just, just to... Um, clear up if I'm correct or wrong. Is that right, Richard? There's, it's yeah. quite fairly common because you're carrying so much gear. Yeah. Um, yeah, the patrols are pretty crazy. Like, not only do you have the chance of getting shot at or blown up, but you're you're navigating pretty tetris terrain. Um, treacherous terrain, sorry. <laughs> tetris and, um, terrain. Uh, there was times where, you know, it would be like literally climbing on cliffs with no support, no safety, with 30 kilos on your back. So the chances of you falling off rolling down this hill and like killing yourself was actually possible um i had a friend that was walking along one of these little ledges that um they build as like an aqueduct um in afghanistan and he um the the ground gave way underneath his feet and he fell like a good three meters down onto his back and luckily he had, he had a radio between him and the rock he landed on because that kind of softened the blow and uh, he crushed the radio um, but he had to uh, get uh, chop it out of that situation. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah. And um, j like, just to give some idea, the guys are carrying uh, how much weight a fully loaded infantry soldier? Well, it depends on what your deployment is and what your exercise is. The worst I um, have carried was on my back. My pack was probably about probably about 40 kilos and then plus my body armor and webbing and rifle, it would have been about um, 65 kilos or something like that. One of our friends, um, <laughs> Wico, it was one of the smallest dudes in the platoon. He would have weighed about 70 kilos. He weighed himself uh, with all his gear before we went on this patrol and he had 75 kilos of weight on him and he only weighed 70 kilos. Um, and we had to pack march for um, pretty much five days through swamps and like horrible stuff, like just, just walking. So just, just to yeah. rewind there, um, so the average weight that you'd carry on these, on these deployments when you're hoofing it on the ground would be around, would you say, 
50 to 70 kilos. No, I'd say, Afghanistan, I, it I'd say on average. That, so. That's pretty extreme, Rad. That was like... Yeah, that was. That was but, yeah, but, but he asked what was the most... The most. What's yeah. the average weight, he said. Yeah, probably average 50. weight is probably 30 to 40 kilos. Right. 30 to 40 kilos. And yeah. how many Ks would you do in one, in one day with that amount of weight on your back? Most I've done is 39 in a day. 39 kilometres. Jesus. So just to give you guys an idea, like if you can imagine the type of um, stress and strain that puts on the body, I mean, this is why they train so hard, but um, it's it's pretty intense. So they get injuries a lot. Rad had a uh, an experience that caused him quite a lot of problems. Why don't you explain that? Yeah, we were doing a live fire exercise at nighttime, which means it's a, no, no, it wasn't a live fire, it was a blank fire exercise. Um, at uh at night time and uh, terrain in east timor is so weird like it's like it's so weird because it's in the tropics i expected it to be like jungle and it, it's like that in some spots but in other spots it's almost like a desert it's really weird it's like um this totally dry hard muddy stuff because when it rains in the wet season it just rains with so much that it, i guess it turns the ground into almost like mud um but it's like this really dry dusty um, ground with little shrubs everywhere and then maybe a, only a tree that's you know of a really small sized tree like probably every five meters like it wasn't like the jungle that I was expecting to go in um, and anyway and every now and then there's these like um, caverns that are just carved out of the ground from the, the wet season because it rains so fiercely that it just carves the ground out and they're like um, the one that I fell in was probably about, I don't know, five feet wide and about 10 feet deep. And, and because it was nighttime and you're using these fucking night vision goggles um, and they fog up because you're so sweaty. It's like 40 degrees uh, Celsius. So I don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit. It's well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit um, and it's 100% humidity. And these night vision goggles fog up and you can't see anything and you're trying to look through this stupid night vision thing. <laughs> And, and you dive into the ground and shooting and then you've got to stand up and you've got to run a little bit and then you dive to the ground and that's called firing and moving in infantry. And I stood up and ran and just fell straight down one of these ravines and I had, we were wearing the worst body armor back then. The body armor itself weighed, how much did that McBass weigh? Was it 35 kilos or oh, 25? It was pretty bulky, I can't remember. But yeah, it was about 30 kilos of body armor and then with water and ammunition and everything and my rifle that was that when you guys were asked to test the new body armor? oh god yes we did <laughs> we tested the new body armor that never made it because it was so bulky and so big and we had to wear it for nine months but anyway um <laughs> it was like a being like a turtle it was insane um and so i think i would have had about 40 kilos of weight on me and i just fell down this 10 foot ravine without like it, it's one of those falls it's like if anybody's fallen like you can fall down one step but if you didn't notice that that step was there, that can be a really bad fall, whereas you could fall down three or four steps. But if you get to see that you're about to fall down the three or four steps, your body gets ready for it. Well, I didn't see it at all. It was nighttime and I'm looking at what I thought was flat ground and I jumped up and ran and just went bang down this 10 foot ravine. Um, and I um, suffered something called a pars defect, which is also known as a pars fracture um, in the lumbar in the L4 and L5, um, which, also created something called spondylolisthesis in my back um and that was pretty nasty what a lot of pain so those are the extremes of our um injury uh, uh history but then you know we've we've suffered pretty bad sh uh, gym injuries too uh, um both acute which is sort of something that happens 
usually from one abusive load or a couple of abusive loads to overuse stuff, which is from, as it sounds, using doing something repetitively over mm. and over again, causing uh, stress to the body. And in so, yeah. Last, in the last five years alone, I've torn my medial meniscus, had a slap tear and a torn supraspinatus in the shoulder and uh, golfer's elbow and tennis elbow, so forearm tendinopathy. And those were probably the worst ones to get over. The most annoying. When I didn't know how to, how to deal with it. Now yeah. that I know what to do with it, um, it's actually not that bad, but not knowing, that was the worst. And Richie's, um, what, was, what would you think is more frustrating between your forearm tendinopathy or your knee patella? Well, they're all very similar, like all tem tendinopathy, um, you know, issues. So I'd probably say the tendinopathy issues are the most frustrating I've enc uh, encountered. Just because it's reoccurring, you know, you, you feel like you're never really getting rid of it. Um, you're like you're managing the pain and you're getting better, but then it, it seems to come back eventually, depending on how you're training, your intensity and everything. So yeah, for me, it's the tendinopathy issues. Yeah, um, and I've had it both in my forearm and my knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and I have experienced the same. I haven't had a, a tendinopathy in the knee, but I've experienced it in both of my forearms, both on the medial and lateral epicondyle, which is the inner and outer uh, part of the forearm. Uh, I'm dealing with a uh, some sort of a, a, an acute or even overuse um, injury in my right elbow at the moment, both in the, um, the top uh, bicep and in the forearm. And that came uh, from an acute um, single dosage of stupidity, which was picking up my two kids and my wife uh, and trying to carry them into the kids' bedroom when it was bedtime. And, and uh, it was- What does your fiance think about you picking up your wife? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, we just say wife and husband. It's just easier. <laughs> we were meant to get married pretty much this year, and because of everything that's going on, we're we're sort of delaying the process. But I wear the ring. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, so should we go through some of these injuries that are? Yeah, absolutely. We've got so, some crackers so here. Alex Benasado's uh, dislocated his shoulder. Is uh, saying that is that one of the most frustrating injuries you've had, man. Alex, I'd like to know whether that's a recurring dislocation uh, due to a, sh a shallow labrum or whether it's a, a once off that you did and well, what, that's, what you damaged if you did it. Well, that's, um, that, that's the biggest, the biggest problem with a dislocated shoulder is that the joint becomes compromised forever after and it, and it becomes susceptible to dislocation, yep. which actually means that the, the rehabilitation and the recovery f from it is quite simple it's strengthen the muscles as much as possible and try to limit the range of motion. Whereas everybody else is trying to, well, try to create strength through range of motion. Yeah. Do not create a range of motion without stability, real stability yeah. and strength. So that, so really simply put Alex, the UMS foundations program that you're doing is going yeah, to be the very, best thing that good. you can do, man. Yep. You just need to make that shoulder as strong as possible, man. Yep. And every facet of it that a lot of other programs don't recognize. So horizontal and vertical pushing and pulling, but also external rotation. And internal and rotation. And internal rotation and um, scapular stabilization, scapular like control. the trap three raise and the power raises yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then f the final frontier for you is anti-stabilization training, which I wouldn't do too early on. No, but it comes it comes in in phase three, the, yeah. the inverted kettlebell press. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's all there. It's yeah. all part of the foundations program. Yeah, that's um, really good. So Vinny's saying in general, the most frustrating injury I've uh, is one I've gotten due to poor load management. Most recently, that was a, a hip, and he's saying a hip flexor in question mark. 
uh, strain that came from trying to train middle splits more than twice per week healed now and I'm back on track uh, with the at-home workouts combined with the flexibility muscle class. And that is a perfect example of why we say don't do the middle splits more than uh, once a week. Yeah. Um, it is, it just puts, like, a, as in, not mobility, you can do daily mobility, you can take your body to your comfortable range of motion daily, and that's a really good thing, but training to increase your range of motion for, with middle splits, yeah, don't do it more than once a week, it's full on. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin Lee is saying adductor tendinopathy at the hip insertion point from overdoing the middle splits. So that's right up in the in the hip joint on the inside of the leg. Did it back in April. The pain science element stuck around for quite a while and has only mostly disappeared just recently. Seems I'm a slow learner for injuring myself when it comes to middle splits, but feels uh, two for two now in fixing me up. Yeah, dude. Uh, again, Kevin, Kevin's middle splits. Kevin's graced by the uh, ability to be able to come and actually work with Phil here in the gym. He's been in here a couple of times, yep. and uh, he is, um, yeah, super lucky. Yeah, yeah. So it's great to see. It's great to hear that you're overcoming those, and it's an again reinforcing um, what we teach here. And we get into so many trolling arguments online about this, and it's just so funny. Uh, um, people arguing that you should you, to get the middle splits you need to do do it every day over and over and over again and the reality is that the middle splits is the one the one movement the one stretch that is really demanding on the body demanding on the connective tissues on the inner part of the knee demanding on the, uh, the connective tissues in the hip and groin and it's just not one to push more than once a week. Like yep. you want to like really go for it once a week, yeah, and but then you need to recover. And everybody that we've spoken to that tries to argue this against us, they're all people that got flexible when they were kids. Yeah. And they don't get that it is not how it works for adults. Yeah. And I'm, Yanni and Richard and I are speaking from a place of authority on this one. We've been stretching now for about five years and everything that we've got that is notable to do with flexibility came in the last five years, so in our late 30s and early 40s. Um, so we can honestly say what our, and not only that, but we've created those same results with hundreds of our members, not only around the world, but in the gym. So um, yeah, watch out with that. Watch out with overdoing your stretching. And if any, anybody tries to tell you otherwise, say, uh, it's so funny. People say, that's ridiculous. You've got to stretch every day to do the middle splits. I, I could do the splits when I was four and I've been doing it all my life. And you're like, yeah, that's right. why you can stretch that's every day. That's, that's why you can do it, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's so exactly right. David Clark is saying, dislocating my knee during a Taekwondo lesson. It took about four to six months before I fully recovered and got my confidence back. Yeah, dislocating your knee. You know, I, I get one. chills down my spine whenever I hear dislocating the knee. That's probably... Yeah. Above and beyond the horse riding accident, which happened so long ago that I don't really remember the pain as much. But my most recent really disgusting injury was getting tackled in the side of my leg and my knee being dislocated playing footy. And, and uh, it, um, yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. The feeling of standing up and trying to run because you're in shock and you don't really know how severe the injury was. And then your knee just bending to the side and giving out was just mm. quite awful. <laughs> D Dave, are you the are you the one on the left or right of your uh, profile picture? Is that you in the white gi or in the in the black uh, shirt? And if it's not, 
that dude in the black shirt that looks like that um that actor that's in all that plays the bad guys in all the um mm-hmm. bring, Yen bring the com- bring the comment up again bring the comment up and again. you should get ri- get rid of the other logos when you bring these comments up richie um, um he's uh i can't remember the dude's name let me know dave let me know if i'm thinking if that's the right person and that's who i'm thinking of um alex benasato is I saying think he's in the white i think dave's the one in the white i get the feeling that is but if, if that's the case i'm thinking that I, I can't remember the dude's name it's on the tip of my tongue he's um, saying left he's saying left yeah so who's the Sorry, dude on the right in that picture is that an actor is that a movie actor our right our right our right yeah scott atkins i knew it yeah awesome well so you've trained with him huh he's a um scott atkins yanni is the dude that was the um uh, the bad guy in uh, in Yip Man. He was yeah, the, remember the boxer that beats yeah, yeah. the crap out. Yeah. yeah, he's a great martial artist. He's a really good. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, love Scott Atkins. Love uh, love Donnie Yen and all all the kung fu movies. So that's very cool. Does Scott Atkins do Taekwondo? Is that his primary martial art? Um, Dave, let me know. Um, so Alex is saying it was a boxing injury happened about ten years ago, but I still feel it on my right side, shoulder, shoulder blade, neck every so often. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> one of one of the more Alex, one of the more frustrating injuries I uh, sustained, which was actually what led me to hang up my gloves once and for all, was a really bad perforation of my tricep, the long head of my tricep tendon, from an air swing where <laughs> where I got really frustrated in a sparring match when I was outclassed by someone much taller than me, and he was just picking me apart with the most annoying jab you'd ever seen. It wasn't even a fast jab. It was just that his arm was so damn long that I couldn't get inside it. And, uh, <laughs> and I just sent a Hail Mary overhand right that he just perfectly slipped. And I just didn't. It was just so silly. And it completely stuffed my tricep and tore my tricep tendon. Oh, man. Almost dislocated my elbow. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The worst injury Yanni's ever had those when he's pulled his heartledge. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> shut really up. Really stopped him from. Oh, shut you know, up. Going. Um, I got quick sh- uh, shout out here. I've got um, uh, Alex Jenner, who is my brother-in-law, has just uh, theoretically, if we if we were married, uh. my brother-in-law has tuned in all the way from Perth over there. Welcome, brother. Alex has uh, recently Alex. Um, grabbed our 18-minute stretch routine. Ooh, stop it. Yeah, I know. The, the, the start of all of our journeys. And uh, he's saying TFCC tear in the wrist from snowboarding. You and your sister have a thing with wrists. And that is actually something I'm dealing with right now. I started to uh, box again just to try and um, cut a bit of weight. And... Uh, yeah, I'm punching much harder than my hands and wrists can handle. <laughs> you know, really one of our you know one of our members, Yuri, yesterday. He's I have to speak to him today to to clarify if that's what it was, but we're pretty sure that he popped an old cyst in his wrist yesterday doing front squats because he had a cyst in his wrist for however long I'd never known about it, and yeah. he went to you know do his front squats and he felt this feeling, and he was like, oh man, and it didn't feel great for him. But the way that he was describing, he goes, I think I just popped the cyst, and I said. You probably did, man. I said, that's pretty cool. That's pretty lucky. You would have had to go to the doctor and get the old phone book on, get, the, get it on the hand otherwise. Get so. it uh, sucked out. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so uh, who else have we got here? Lee Clements is saying I had sore left hip, uh, hip flexor. Again, guessing. Reading above, we'll cut back on the pancake to once, not twice a week. Recent I, aggravation. Look, I don't think that that's necessary. Because a hip flexor is not going to be affected too much in the pancake. It's it's going to be activated if you're pulling into the pancake a lot. It's not. But that said, 
This is a, I mean, she's got a question mark here saying, you know, hip flexor, not sure if that's what it is. Ah, uh, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is important to say though, that in all honesty, like, um, you can get a really good result with flexibility from training the one movement once a week, if you do mobility daily. And when you understand what the difference between flexibility and mobility training is, and if you don't know what it is, we've got a great mobility routine, the 18 minute mobility routine, and then we've got the uh, flexibility masterclass, which are very, very different. But you can, if you're getting recurring injuries or things that are hurting from doing stretching, then the first thing that I would say is dial back the frequency. Yeah. Just do it once a week yep. and do daily gentle mobility and see how that works for you. Yeah. Because that's often what happens. And the further and further I get with my flexibility training and the more I work with my coach, with Joachim, the, the more I'm realizing that frequency does not need to be as high as what people think it is and recovery is really important. Well, you've got to remember going at it really, really hard more than once a, uh, a week, it's, it's, you're still training with the notion that your body's somehow Play-Doh and, and that you can just stretch it out and it's going to be elongated. It doesn't work that way. Remember, you're trying to, you're trying to change the way your brain perceives your movement capability and if you are... Uh, fighting a brain that's held on to restricted movement for a whole lifetime, decades of um, inflexibility, uh, you're going to be, it's going to take time for your brain to sort of go, okay, I, I, I am okay with going to this new range of movement. And beating it harder with a, with a harder stick, by that I mean um, stretching harder more often, won't do it. It's the, it's the, um, it's the exact opposite that will get you stretch uh, flexible because you're going to stifle the process by experiencing pain, tearing something and reinforcing to the brain that no, it shouldn't allow you to go there because you keep hurting yourself when you do, yep. you know? So it's really important that people understand, especially with flexibility training, that you've got to progress slowly. And I'll say this for Alex, um, uh, Geno, uh, my brother uh, over in Perth, who's jumped onto the 18 minute routine. And it's probably your first introduction, I'm assuming, to flexibility training. And uh, he's doing it because he's experiencing a little bit of discomfort in the lower back. I think I'm correct. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Um, it's just got to be a progress. You gotta. It's it's. You gotta take a progressive, long-term approach. You know, it's just about showing up, doing the work, embrace the process build it into a habit, a ritual, a daily ritual that you're going to be able to do. The good thing with the 18 minute routine is you can do it every day because it's more of a mobility routine yep. than a stretching routine. Mm -hmm. And that's how we did it. We did it every day for probably two years, you know, because it was our warm up for a while. I still think if you were going to get started on flexibility training, even though we've now got the 18 minute mobility routine, I still think that if you were going to start your flexibility journey and you wanted something that you could just get started with that was really going to make a big impact, that that routine is the best thing yeah. that you could possibly do. Yeah, 100%. Without a doubt. Because it, it takes care of more of the body than the 18 minute mobility routine does. The 18 minute mobility routine doesn't do as much in the upper body. It's not designed for that. Yeah. But the 18 minute stretching routine is just so good for everything, man. Yeah, it, just, it, it covers hits, everything. It hits everything a little bit. It, it, um, although it feels a little bit overwhelming at the start with some of the movements, it, it it's it's a it's a fairly nice introduction 
to flexibility training, yes. you know, it, and if you just persevere with that and do it for, you know, you can, you could do it for quite some time and still get a really great result. You know, yeah. you're not going to need to change anything for a while. Yeah. And, Definitely. but it's just about building a habit of doing it every day, yeah. every day or every other day, as much as you can, and you'll see a huge result. Anyway, um, we're definitely out of time, Yanni, but let's, uh, this is a, um, this is a conversation that we're going to continue this week. Okay. We're going to be talking about injuries and, and your injuries and our injuries and, and our experience and how we can help you with. So uh, help us out, put some questions in, the, put them directly in the UMS Movement Mastermind. Don't put them as comments on this video. Tag us in them, anything about injuries that you wanna know and let's, uh, let's talk about them. Yeah, tomorrow week. and Friday, we're gonna, wrap, we're gonna uh, wrap the series up with Phil. And so we'll have our physio on uh, around the table as well. And we can go deep, you know, uh, how deep is up to you guys. Um, get your, get your, um, your most annoying injury, something that you might even, you, you know, you might be dealing with or it keeps coming back, it keeps recurring, things like that. For, for, for myself, it's definitely my forearm tendinopathy. Uh, as Richard said before, we, we call forearm tendinopathy in the gym, gym herpes, because it's almost, it's quite difficult to completely fix. You can certainly win with having it, which we do. I still do it, that doesn't stop me doing anything. But from time to time, I have to alter the course of my direction because I feel it again, you know? And uh, Richie, definitely, I hear him talking about that as well. Uh, maybe some of you guys can relate. So we'll talk a bit about that and a bit about our experience because I believe that that's one of the most common and most frustrating gym injuries that you can sustain. Uh, um, ten, uh, tendinopathy in the shoulder, in the rotator cuff is another one or acute issues with the shoulder, the supraspinatus from overload, poor posture, things like that is another good one that we might talk about. That's and yeah, I you got. guys you guys get yourself, get your favored uh um injuries up and we'll we'll dissect them we'll go deep into them you know and uh and talk about them anyway guys thanks for joining us for big love to those of you listening on the podcast sound of movement podcast um and also watching the replay on unity gym youtube channel Remember, if you haven't already, get yourself over to the UMS Movement Mastermind. We go live daily and uh, you can interact with us and ask us questions, get some free coaching from some great coaches and physiotherapists. And uh, we'll see all of you guys um, who joined us live today, tomorrow. See you, everyone. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're gonna have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.